Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matters, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, Mizzou beat writer. Joining us, as always, Ben Fredrickson, Post-Dispatch columnist, stltoday.com as well. It is the post-Thanksgiving podcast. Missouri football is season is still going in a bit of a lull here, a bit of a holding pattern until the uh, bowl pairings are announced this weekend. On Sunday, those will come out once the playoff bracket is set and then all the bowl games from there on out will be set up there might be some some leakage before then but but maybe not in the sec and we'll get to that it's a little complicated as to who will play whom where um but before we get to that before we get to a little mizzou basketball talk ben let's let's revisit missouri's regular season finale the loss 34 17 at arkansas packed house in fayetteville it was a a beautiful day. It was senior day for the Hogs, Barry Odom's birthday, and it turned out to be a, a pretty good day for Arkansas. Not a very good finish for Missouri outside of Tyler Beatty, but uh, the rest looked kind of similar to what we've seen when Missouri's gone up against, you know, the upper echelon teams in the SEC. And I'll, I'll put Arkansas there. They're not Georgia, Alabama. They're, they're close to Alabama, but they're right there in that next tier. Uh, and, and Sam Pittman has put together a really good team, and, and they showed it on uh, on Friday. My dad would say that uh, Arkansas in that game, Dave, looked happier than a, than a pig in the, in the word I can't say on this podcast. You know what? Um, and, and they did. They, they, they took uh, full advantage of their opportunity to take back that overcompensating trophy, and they were quick to uh, get that Arkansas name slapped in there. Um, and, and they and they they look like a better team. They look like the team that we thought that they were. Um, they finished strong, and you know I, I don't overreact too much for for the Missouri side of things. That the one thing that that jumps out well there are two. Um, Connor Bazelak was not better. Um, you know, on the broadcast they were mentioning that Eli Drinkwitz had suggested to the to the um, the broadcasters in their pregame meeting that maybe Connor would have some of his mobility back that that would be, you know, uh, something that he was starting to add back into his game. Well, that was not the case. And right. I think, you know, for Eli to say sometimes that, you know, last week doesn't care about this week, which I think is a good way of phrasing things. Uh, you had to wonder maybe why he didn't try to, to at least do something a little different as Connor really struggled in that game. So that's going to be a theme here. And that's going to be an off season theme. What do they do at quarterback? Is this all um, a byproduct of, Connor Bazelak playing through injury, or does there need to be a discussion about a competition at that spot with an incoming freshman and the guys who are coming back? If all of them come back, I would imagine that might not be the case. So that's that's a big one that jumps out. Um, and then the defense, I thought, Dave, showed a, a few signs of, I don't know if regression is too strong, but you know we had complimented this defense a lot for making better tackles and being more sound fundamentally. And I thought some of that slipped in this game, obviously. It's against a better opponent, um, against a big quarterback who can run, and uh, he's a hard guy to bring down. But, but I think we saw some, uh, some blips on that defense that had been playing really a lot better kind of week by week since the Georgia game. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of the offense in the first half of the season where they, they did an okay job early in the game, kept them competitive, but then the more that the offense punted, the more it struggled to sustain any drives, the defense kind of let up and there was only so much they could do. And they gave up some big explosive plays. Traylon Burks 
Arkansas did a nice job of getting him matched up against the true freshman cornerback, DJ Jackson. And he, he, Burks is going to win that matchup every time. And, uh, you know, then Jefferson had a couple long runs, like you said, and just that it's a pretty explosive offense. And I think they're Kendall Bryles, their, their offensive coordinator does a really good job of getting matchups and being creative. And um, they just kind of wore Missouri down and, and they just had no, no answer outside of Tyler Beatty. And it, it kind of seemed like Barry Odom went into that game or at least adjusted and said, oh, we're going to let Beatty get some first downs. He never broke off a really long run. I think his longest run might've been 17 yards, got a bunch of chunk runs, but nothing, you know, he didn't take it to the house on anything. And eventually it seemed like Arkansas knew that they were in good shape as long as Basilock had to complete some downfield passes. And he just couldn't, I mean, he, he missed Boo Smith in the, uh, first possession or right there early in the first quarter that kind of set the tone and and Eli never went to Brady Cooker he, he did but not till five minutes were left and I asked him after the game and Missouri fans are always on us because they think we don't ask the tough questions we don't ask how come you know you're letting them not make quarterback changes so I, I asked him flat out like did you think about going to, to Brady earlier and why not why didn't you his answer was interesting he said he Connor hadn't made the big mistake yet, basically saying, you know, he was going to play him until he turned it over. And even if he did turn it over, he said, I don't like our quarterbacks thinking they get pulled as soon as they throw an interception. So that to me just said, Hey, he didn't feel good about any of the backup options. And even Connor making a mistake and not playing very well still gave them their best chance. And, uh, and even when he put Brady in, he didn't throw the ball. He was just more handoffs to Beatty. So they may say it differently, but it sure looked like they were just trying to get Tyler Beatty the Doak Walker award, or at least get him to the uh, single season rushing record, which he did set with 219 yards. He's got 1604 right now that passes Devin West's single season, regular season record set in 1998. But I keep saying this and I'm not going to ignore it. I said it on 550. Uh, KTRS the other night I'm going to keep putting an asterisk next to that because Devin West's bowl yardage doesn't count for a ridiculous reasons the NCAA didn't count bowl stats in your season stats until they made a change in 2002 and what they didn't do they didn't retroactively go back and add everyone's oh stats. man no come so on Devin Devin's getting screwed here he he still has anybody who watched 1998 knows that he still had 99 more rushing yards than what Tyler Beatty has right now. So as long as Tyler plays in Missouri's bowl game, and as long as he gets a hundred yards, he will be the clear cut all time single season rushing record holder. But I will forever keep writing that Devin West still had more yards. <laughs> you should. Also Devin West's regular season in 98 was only 11 games. Tyler Beatty got 12 games. That, that takes nothing away from what Tyler has done. He's run for more yards in a season than every other running back in Missouri history. And that includes you know, greats like James Wilder and Zach Abron and Henry Josie and Brock Olivo, name them all. More yards than Brad Smith ever had in a season. So he's been outstanding. I even considered voting him for SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I, I went with Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. It's just hard to ignore his numbers. And in a year when Alabama's needed all those points because their defense hasn't been as good. Right. Um, but I was really tempted to vote for Beatty because I think he's that good. And I've, I've considered putting him on my Heisman ballot. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to, but he's been that, he's been that great and that valuable for this team. But I still think Devin West is the actual single season rushing record holder at Missouri. Tyler Beatty has to be the 
well, we'll see if Missouri finishes with a winning record. But if they win their bowl game, Tyler Bates has to be the most valuable player on any winning team in college football. Maybe. And, and I, there's not an award for that, but I think he has to be. Not maybe it is, it's not the Heisman, but that's that's where he sits for me. Yeah. This was the first time that he's run for 200 yards in a loss. All those other 200-yard games were wins. And, um, you know, he gave it all he could. He was their only shot in this game to keep it competitive. And uh, he was just really impressive again. I mean, the guy just doesn't – he can't go backwards. He's so strong. He's, he's so durable. Uh, and, and we'll see what his ultimate decision is. But he was asked right after the game, do you plan to play in the bowl game? And there was no hesitation from him. Uh, I think it would be pretty cool, too, if Missouri – and we'll get to the Bulls. If they should play in the Liberty Bowl, that's in Memphis. Now, he didn't – he wasn't born and raised in Memphis. He, he grew up in New Orleans. But uh, he moved to Memphis. That's where he played high school football, and that's where he still got – you know, his parents live. That would be pretty cool for him to end his end his college career in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, we'll see. We, we really don't know yet where Missouri is headed, but that's a possibility for sure. If he plays in Memphis, I bet he's getting those 100 yards. Oh, yeah. Um, but feel good, feel good betting on, on that. It does sound like he's going to play. I would imagine that Missouri would, most guys would, would play um, in the bowl game who are left. We have seen some transfers, Dave, some guys deciding to yeah. go ahead and transfer out of the program. Um, what do you make of kind of the, the roster turnover that started for Missouri so far? Just cost of doing business, or do you think there's yeah. more to it? Not surprising. I mean, it, it really, it has to happen. If you look at the scholarship count, if you look at how many players they're adding, what they plan to add, we still don't know. There's a handful of these super seniors or guys who could be super seniors and come back next year who were technically seniors this year, and they'll have to make that decision. So the, the roster, there's a bit of a log jam on the roster right now. So some, some turnover was to be expected. Uh, Daniel Parker Jr. is probably the headliner. Um, He's a guy who's played a lot for Missouri over the last four years. He didn't play in the Arkansas game, has been more of a blocker than a receiver, although he did. He caught four touchdowns this year, and uh, including then he had the, the memorable two-point conversion catch against Florida. So he, he went out on top. The last time he touched the ball was that two-point conversion game winner, walk-off. Uh, didn't play in the Arkansas game. He's a guy that, um, I'll say this, over the years he's, he's, he's sent out a lot of cryptic tweets um, about – about where he stands, uh, his thoughts on a lot of things. And sometimes you could trace him back to maybe he's talking about not being very happy at Missouri. Then he would always be quick to, uh, to say, no, I was talking about something else. So he's a, he's a tough guy to read sometimes. He's literally tough for me because he blocks me on Twitter. Um, so I, I don't really know. Uh, I have to have somebody else send it to me. I blocked uh, you on Twitter I don't, too. Yeah, I know. Well, a lot of people should. And I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have the time or the patience or the, energy to create a burner account so I could read everyone who blocks me. Um, but not surprised there. Uh, he put out a statement then thanking Barry Odom, thanking Andy Hill for taking a chance on him. It's not like they really took a chance. He was a four-star recruit um, and was a lot of good programs wanted him. Uh, conspicuously did not thank Eli Drinkwitz or any of the current coaches, which has kind of been a theme when guys transfer out. So all four, all four transfers as of as of Wednesday when we're recording this, we're all guys that came in under the previous staff, Ish Burdine and Chris Sheeran, two uh, defensive backs, Messiah Swinson, who did play a lot this year as the third tight end, uh, also on his way out. Missouri's going to be a little short on tight ends for the, uh, for the bowl game. 
no doubt there. You got Nico Hay, you got the freshman Ryan Horsecamp, and then you've got some walk-ons. Um, so we'll see what they do there. Defensive back, they've been thin there all season, especially the second half of the year with injuries. Both Sheeran and Birding had been hurt this year. So we'll see if there's any more. I, I, I anticipate there will be probably after the bowl game. Um, but that door swings both ways. Missouri's going to be searching that transfer market as well and try to add some players like they did last year, getting Blaze Aldridge and Mookie Cooper and, and the Tulsa cornerbacks and all those guys. So this roster is definitely a work in progress at this point. Kind of a, goes in line with the transfer discussion, but more of a recruiting discussion, I guess, a defensive recruiting discussion. We are not seeing Missouri involved in this insane coaching carousel development that's that's dominating the discussion around college football. But there's always an effect on recruiting, <clears throat> whether it's trying to poach um, commitments to programs that have lost their head coach, or uh, in the case of maybe like a Luther Burden, defend um, a commitment that that could be you know come after if say Lincoln Riley comes after Luther Burden now as USC's head coach if he couldn't get him at Oklahoma. Do you think Eli Drinkwitz and his staff are, are, are following this and trying to see if they it might be time to go get some flips or also perhaps play some play some defense? Oh, absolutely. I think you have to on both ends, really. And, uh, you know, Burden, if you follow him on social media, which I know Missouri fans do, he's, he's still trying to recruit uh, undecided guys to come to Missouri. So I, I don't just from what we what we see right now, and he's not a guy that does a lot of interviews. Um, I, I, I think as of now, he's still all in for Missouri and will be here in January. You know, he still has to sign in December. I think December 15th is the beginning of the uh, early signing period, which is really the signing period now. Uh, but yeah, he, by, by not playing in the championship game, um, these staffs have a chance to, especially the staffs that aren't changing, at least at the top, have a chance to go out and recruit and do in-home visits right now. It's really the first time that Eli Drinkwitz and his staff have been able to do in-home visits because of the COVID restrictions in 2020 uh, and then earlier this year. So uh, they're, they're getting a, a bit of a head start on that process. And I'm, I'm, you know, you know that they're talking to guys that they have connections to that are part of these coaching changes. Um, you know, whether that's at Oklahoma or, or Notre Dame or, or wherever, um, but you know, they still, this still is shaping up to be a top 20 class for them. And they've hit on some, some guys they've really wanted. They've got a lot of in-state players that are, that are expected to, to sign and guys from right outside the, the state border too. So we'll see how they finish up this class, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eli, Eli has been, he's been flipping guys since the day he got to Missouri. So there's no, uh, there, there's no shame in doing that. That's, that's, that's recruiting. And he'll, he and his staff will will keep doing that, I'm sure, at least attempt to. Clearly no shame in doing it if Lincoln Riley is basically having assistant coaches who have not yet officially made the transition Man. start recruiting for USC, reportedly. That's like Lane Kiffin. That, that's something about going to USC where, where you have yeah. your coaches on your on your staff who haven't made the jump yet start doing the work for you. That That's what Lane got in trouble for when he was at Tennessee, I believe, with Ed Orgeron. Uh, yeah. Man, you got to go way back in the time machine for – for that one. Um, here's my question, Dave, uh, and then we'll talk bowls, but when are Kirby Smart and Nick Saban getting their raises? Oh my gosh. They're now, they're now massively underpaid based off this new trend in new hires. That's my first question. Also, what happened to that idea college football was supposed to be more restrained in its spending on the other side of the pandemic? That lasted about, what, 10 games in the oh, yeah. fall football season? If that you, we've got, we've got Mel Tucker at Michigan state and all credit to him. Um, 
you know, he's his third year as a college head coach, one year at Colorado, two years at Michigan State, and he's signing a 10-year deal. Uh, 10-year deals are the new thing in vogue. I guess like these agents got together this fall and decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit up these these uh, athletic departments that are were crying bankruptcy, you know, not too long ago. We're going to hit them up for 10-year deals and massive buyouts and all of that. James Franklin gets the 10-year deal at Penn State. Uh, you know, same thing for – for uh, uh, Kelly. Both coaches that, that switch schools here, Kelly and, and Riley. So, man, um, you, you got to think, too, like every coach in the SEC, we, we have already seen it. We saw it with Mark Stoops. He's going to get a new deal now at, at Kentucky. Um, everybody's going to be leveraging, you know, their their job status for, for new deals. I, I don't – at Missouri, Eli's on year two. He's sitting there at 500. I don't think Missouri's really in position financially to really boost up his salary too much. Um, and I don't think he's in position leverage wise to, to go for that yet. He needs a winning, winning season. Um, he needs to be in contention for better bowl games. I think before that becomes a reality, but it doesn't take much. I mean, one breakthrough season and, and we've seen it before at Missouri. I mean, Gary Pinkle would get extensions and raises all the time too. So that's the price of doing business. And now though, man, these salaries are just, are just through the roof for the the upper elite class. And I, I don't know if there's an end game to this. I don't know if this is the tipping point. It seems like these coaches and their agents have been like, well, if you're going to start paying these athletes for uh, name, image, and likeness, we're going to, we're going to start escalating our salary structures too. And uh, man, it's just going through the roof. One other interesting note that's applicable to Missouri in some ways on the coaching carousel you've heard. And, and I think this is a perfect fit. And I, I think it would make a lot of sense um, that, that our old friend Barry Odom could be in the mix for the Louisiana job. Now that Napier has gone to Florida, that would seem like a really good place for coach Odom. He's going to be very picky and where he goes to be paid very handsomely as Arkansas's defensive coordinator. I believe he's the highest paid assistant in Arkansas history there. If he's looking for a way back to Power five SEC football, this could be a, the stepping stone. And Napier did a great job there. It's a good job. Um, Brian Maggard, the AD there, um, knows Barry Odom from his time at Mizzou. That, that could look like the move that, that, that makes sense for Coach Odom if he wants back in at, at the head coaching level. And I would think it would be a pretty attractive hire for them, too, as they look for the next coach after Napier. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes one of those that makes so much sense that it probably won't happen, you know. Um, but Napier did a great job building that program up, and so has Brian. Uh, it's it's one of the best group of five programs right now as far as track record goes. Um, you know they they're they're winning a lot of games, and and they're you know a relevant program at that level. And um, I, I just think if, if it basically comes down to not to say that Barry has a standing offer or anything like that, but he absolutely knows Maggard well. I mean they overlapped for about twenty years at Missouri. Um, it basically comes down to, does he want to get back? We know he wants to be a head coach again. Does it make more sense for him to maybe take a more high profile coordinator job and parlay that into head coaching job at the power five level? Or does he think he has to go to the group of five level to, um, you know, to kind of restart his head coaching career there? You know, there's going to be somebody's going to get some jobs at say Georgia or Alabama, or there's going to be some job opening staff openings at some great programs that are a step above Arkansas that maybe can put him on, you know, that, that tier of one of the elite 
coordinator jobs in the country. He could wait that out and take one of those jobs or just stay at Arkansas and make his 1.75 million. You know, his, his boys playing, um, playing high school football there in a really good program. He's getting some offers, so they might be just content to stay there. I mean, I can't imagine there's many head coaches that people would rather work for than Sam Pittman. Um, also though, you know, the best players on that defense are moving on for the most part. So he might've, um, you know, this might be the time to go. So the good news is I, for Barry, if, if you're Barry and if you're his agent, you know, I think he's going to have options here. Uh, and, and I think Louisiana, if he wants to be a head coach now and at the group of five level, then Louisiana makes as much sense as anybody. And for people listening, and, and we know this came up on Twitter, we are not talking about the LSU job, Louisiana and LSU are two different jobs. They did a rebranding campaign a few years ago. Mike Alden actually was, was very much involved in it as a consultant. They dropped the Lafayette. It's no longer Louisiana Lafayette. They are just Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns, not the same as the LSU Tigers. So nobody here is talking about Barry Odom as the next LSU coach because they already have a coach in, uh, in Brian Kelly. You know who doesn't have a coach at the time we're recording this is Oklahoma, Dave. Yeah. Um, where are the Sooners going to go? And is it weird that I – don't know who they're going to hire, yet I almost have as much faith in any hire as the one Oklahoma will make and Joe Castiglione will make because it's almost impossible for Oklahoma to miss. Um, right. Bob Stoops, who is playing the role of – I mean, at this point in college football, you better have a Bob Stoops or you better have a Gary Pinkle or you better have somebody who can come in when chaos reigns and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Bob Stoops yeah. does that. I mean, I don't know what they pay him down there, but – He's earning it on a day like this week where he steps up and says, hey, you know, this program is bigger than me. It's bigger than Coach Switzer. It's bigger than Lincoln Riley. And we're going to be fine. I'm going to go out and talk to these players and we're going to we're going to get this sorted out. Maybe it's Matt Campbell, Dave. Um, I, I would like that hire. I, I know he didn't have a good year at, at Iowa State, but what he's done there has been very impressive. Imagine what he could do with the resources um, that Texas have. Obviously, a bigger um, a bigger challenge looming in the SEC, or maybe they go another direction. But if you're going to bank on an AD to make a good hire, you, you have a pretty good bet banking on Joe C. Absolutely. You know, he, uh, his last two football hires were, were not head coaches. You know, Bob Stoops was Steve Spurrier's defensive coordinator of Florida. And then Lincoln Riley was just an internal promotion. Um, so, you know, he's not afraid to hand it over to somebody who hasn't done it before, but he's, you know, not to say any AD has a perfect track record, especially when you've been in place somewhere for as long as, as Joe has. But you look at basketball. I mean, he, he Lon Kruger was a good hire. Porter Moser was a good hire. He just has that touch. He's done it long enough. To, I think he believes in what they have there, uh, has strong enough conviction they can go out and swing big or not necessarily swing big and go get somebody that makes sense and is a right fit. So I think Campbell would be good there. Um, you know, you got to, you know, if, if you're Campbell – do you have to be a little bit afraid and leery of what the future of the big 12 and at the same time, a little nervous about jumping into the sec uh, because Oklahoma will be in the sec sooner than later, no pun intended. So um, I think that would be a, a, a smart move, a good move, solid move. I guess we can eliminate Mark Stoops. And that never made sense to me. If you're Mark Stoops, why would you want to go there and be in, in Bob's shadow um, with that same last name? Because nothing short of winning two national titles would, would, would be successful if that's your last name there. Um, I don't know. And, and obviously the people, all the great reporters that cover Oklahoma would know better than this. You would think at this point, Joe has sat down with Bob Stoops and said, Hey, you want to, you want to take a run here? 
you know, you want to, you want to be the guy in charge here in this, in, as we make this transition to the SEC and you never know. Um, he seems like he's enjoying retirement, but maybe he'll get a little kick out of doing this uh, on the interim basis basis. But I think you also, you got to look out to Clemson. If Brent Venables ever wants to be a head coach and not at Clemson, then this would be the place. I mean, he has uh, he was Bob's defensive coordinator for, for a long time and had success there. And you, you figure at some point, someone's going to give him that chance to be head coach and he's going to want to do it. I think we can probably eliminate Josh Heupel. Um, you know, he did not have a, a great exit from Oklahoma. I mean, Bob fired him there and Josie was the, was the AD that approved it. And you can't step into that job unless you make peace with Bob Stoops. And I don't see that happening with Josh. So I think Tennessee fans can probably, they're going to be able to sit this one out most likely. But then again, Four days ago, who would have thought Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame for LSU? So I say all bets are off. You never know what these things. That is the the weirdest move, the the Kelly to Notre Dame. A great coach. I don't get the fit. Obviously, don't you can't like how he left, um, alerting the players in a text at eleven. I know that the way things get out now, there's never an ideal way. But I, if I were LSU, I would have a bit of pause about a coach being so eager to leave his potentially playoff bound team. Right. Dust. You only get so many chances to, to take a shot at a national title. And the fact that you're walking away from one would, would give me a, a reason for concern. So we'll see how that one, uh, see how that one works out. But it does raise the question for a, a school like LSU day, that could have been a competitor for Missouri and bowl game scenarios this season. Yeah. Um, are they going to care about coaches having inter teams, having interim coaches? Does that help Mizzou's bowl status? Where do you think the Tigers could be headed? Things are a little blurry, and now they're even more blurry based on maybe some of these teams not being quite as attractive uh, right. to, to the Bulls. Yeah, I, I think LSU beating Texas A&M to get bowl eligible and then Florida beating Florida State made things a little bit blurrier because now you've got you've got 13 SEC teams that are bowl eligible. Uh, if you just line up one team in the playoff, one SEC team in the 14 playoff, and one team in the non-playoff New Year's Day Bowls, then there's too many teams that there are bowl spots. Now, this is getting complicated and doesn't make a lot of sense for a podcast. It's something you need to need to read or see visually. Uh, let's say Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama will be in one of those non-playoff New Year's Day bowls, most likely. And so will Ole Miss because they're high enough in the rankings right now. So there's three teams right there in the SEC. The next highest one will go to the Citrus Bowl. That could be Arkansas. I guess it could be Texas A&M. Then you've got your, your SEC pool of six. And these six are the Outback, the Music City, the Gator, the Liberty, the Texas, and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. As someone who does not like the sight of mayonnaise, I'm not thrilled about the prospect of going to Charlotte. That was the former Belk Bowl. Now it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Anyway, those six. And those six bowls the league sort of assigns who goes where and they work together with the TV companies or the TV networks and with the bowls and they come out with a lineup of six. So then from there, there's two more sec bowls. You've got the Birmingham bowl on December 28th. Uh, that is played in Birmingham, Alabama, not Birmingham, England. And then you've get, <laughs> you get the Gasparilla bowl, which is played in Tampa at the Bucks stadium who knows, maybe Tom Brady will be in attendance. Uh, maybe bring along his pal Blaine Gabbert. Um, so those are two the, the two spillover bowls. 
there's going to be probably one more bowl needed for SEC teams. So then you've got a wide range of non-SEC bowls that basically need to pick up a free agent. You don't really want to be in that spot if you're Missouri or anybody, but that could be where they end up, and that's why this picture is so muddled. Um, you got to wonder, are Florida fans going to be too excited about going to a bowl at 6-6? Six and six? Their new head coach, I do not expect Billy Napier to coach in the bowl game. No. Same thing with LSU and Brian Kelly. Are LSU fans going to go to a bowl game? They're not going to be too excited about it. Now, if Missouri plays – If there's, if there's alcohol served there, they will. Oh, well, yeah, but they can find that at home. Um, but – so we'll see. Um, Missouri really doesn't know. Like, they, they are really as – of, as of taping this, they are very much up in the air. I think the Liberty Bowl makes sense proximity-wise. It's easier to get to. If you want to go for some sunshine, you know, that, that Gasparilla Bowl is not bad. It's on the 23rd, which is the day after Bragg and Wright's game, so it's going to make travel a little little difficult. Um, that Houston Bowl in Texas, it's the Texas Bowl in Houston. That's all the way on January 4th. So uh, that would that would kind of string out bowl practices a little bit. So it's up in the air. I can't remember a year where it was so much up in the air. Last year we had a pretty good feel that it was going to be Music City. And then, of course, it was until it wasn't, and Missouri had to pull out. So uh, no telling. I'm going to try to figure it out this week. But really, Missouri doesn't have it quite figured out yet. Well, no, uh, at some time on Sunday, perhaps earlier Sunday than normal, because it sounds like they're going to do the college football yeah. reveal um, earlier than, than usual. So we'll know Sunday, um, and those uh, maybe will be a little more clear by the time we get there. Um, Dave, some, thinking something that's not clear, and we'll wrap with this because uh, we don't need to go too long on it because there's really not much to say. But we do need to touch on Missouri basketball. A, uh, a start for the, for the Tigers, we've already seen a, a starting lineup change. Um, we've seen some of the newcomers look impressive. We've seen some of the newcomers look not so impressive. There's obviously the, the bad loss to UMKC that's still hanging over the head of the team. Um, they didn't look too great against Wichita State. They blew out an NAIA opponent. Um, this team is still kind of searching for its identity here. And uh, a lot of people who are frustrated with it have understandable reasons to, to feel that way. What do you make so far of the start for, for Conzo Martin's uh, Tigers? Well, they scored 25 points in the first half on Monday, so that's progress. Um, they're really just searching for offense and kind of scrambling for an identity, like you said. We are seeing some changes now. Um, Conzo will do this every once in a while, wait, wait a couple games just to see how things shake out and then make a change. And in that game Monday, you know, they, they move Amari Davis to point guard. He, he's the shooting guard they brought in from, from Green Bay. Never really played a whole lot of point guard. But Boogie Coleman is just – he hasn't been that guy that I think they wanted. And Disappointing, he, right? I mean, that turnover, was, he was kind of supposed to be a, a, a star on this team. He was yeah, he, kind of billed as having some, some sizzle to his game, a flashy player. We have not seen any of that. Yeah, he's been very turnover prone, and they're just not really initiating the offense with him. Uh, he's made some shots, you know, he's done some things, but uh, he's, he's kind of been more relegated to the a bench role now. And also he hurt his ankle in a game and, and in the UMKC game. And I don't know how healthy he is. That may factor in a little bit, but also they took Jordan Wilmore out of the rotation. And he never even saw the floor in, in the uh, NAIA game against Paul Quinn. And I asked Conzo after the game, like, was he available tonight? I thought maybe, maybe sick, maybe, you know, turned an ankle in practice. He said, Oh no, 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 he's available but he's got to get better at some things that I want to see him get better at some certain things. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what his role is going forward. You know, they've got that game against Illinois in a little less than a month. They're going to need somebody to guard Kofi Coburn. And I, 
I don't know Yikes. how many fall. Yeah, I mean, you're going to need some falls for sure. Um, that's going to be a challenge. And I don't know, you don't want Kobe Brown guarding him 40 minutes because you're going to need Kobe to do other things and be on the floor. And he's going to, would be in some foul trouble in that game. You don't have Jeremiah Tillman anymore. So uh, we'll see, you know, they play Liberty Thursday night on the road. Liberty is a one of those, a, a good mid-major team, not as good this year, but that's still, I mean, any game's a tough game at this point. When you lose to UMKC, every game is going to be a challenge. And this, this stretch that they have coming up, even with Illinois slipping a little bit lately, falling out of the top 25, when you've got Kansas, you've got Kentucky, Utah's under a new staff. Um, you know, that game won't be easy, even though it's at home. Man, they've, they've kind of, I, I won't say they buried themselves in a hole, but, you know, anytime you lose to a game, uh, lose a game like UMKC early in the year, it, it just kind of throws a wet blanket over everything. And you got to, you got to play yourself out. They weren't competitive against Florida State. Uh, this much we know, don't play Purdue. Purdue just housed Florida State early in the week. And that was a Florida State team that Missouri uh, really struggled to match up with. So it's going to be tough. One bright spot, I think, has been Ronnie DeGray. Um, yeah. I, I like that they pulled him off the bench. I, I think that he's he looks like a guy who can really contribute to this team. I like the way he plays. They need more guys who are – are playing up after transferring they've got too many guys who look like they're struggling to find their footing um at this level but he's been a he's been a bright spot i still think the ceiling for kobe is high but he's got to do it every night i mean he can't have nights where he goes out and and you know scores 20 points and grabs 10 rebounds and then shows up the next night and has four and two that he's got to be more consistent um and if he's not then they're gonna they're gonna really struggle so um that's where it's at man we won't sugarcoat it but we're also won't uh say it's over either um they've got a lot of games ahead of them to either get better or this is going to be a disappointing season and really will be an interesting season because a lot of these guys are back next year Dave that, right that was the thing about these transfers they're going to be around for a while so you'd like to see some positive signs for the future there too we'll continue to, to have it covered um at stlc.com as this college football and basketball season continue to overlap bowl coverage coming um where the Tigers are going we'll also have the bowl covered Dave will be there Dave anything else before we uh take off for today no i don't think so just look forward to that bowl announcement on sunday and then we will uh we'll talk about the matchup whoever it may be it could be a big 12 team a lot of these potential games are against big 12 teams it could be could be a, a group of five team you know and, and that's a game where you know you you don't really get a whole lot out of winning it uh, and but you get a lot to lose if you lose to a group of five team. I, I know the one team and i haven't asked him this but i, I don't have to the one team eli Drinkwitz will not want to play is Appalachian State because those are some of his former players. You get nothing out of winning that game because, of course, an SEC team should win that. And it's it's can be embarrassing if you lose to your former team, much less a group of five teams. So um, I'm sure Missouri will not like seeing them across the uh, the matchup there if that should be the opponent. I, I'd say go go play a good Big Twelve team. Um, not Kansas State because you play them next year. That wouldn't be too exciting. Maybe I I think. Penn State and the Music City Bowl would be fun. You know, we do know James Franklin's going to be there now. Um, you know, go go play the bowl that you were supposed to play last year and uh, get it done in Nashville. But we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, against another you know name brand Big Ten opponent, that would be that would be good, and it would be fun for uh, it would be fun for Tyler Beatty, if not uh, in Memphis, to be to be around the area where he was kind of overlooked as a three star recruit, and that would be that would be cool to see. Too. We'll have it covered STL today. 
Tigers.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of the I Am The Tigers podcast. And keep an eye out for the I Am The Tigers video edition as well. For Dave, I'm Ben. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.